Well, we're beginning a new series, a mini-series uh, this month. As we begin the new year, we're going to be looking at uh, life groups and the importance and the biblical basis for for life groups. And you're going to look, listen, you're going to hear a little bit more about what we're working here as a church. And we have a team who have been working on life groups a whole lot over these last six months. And... Uh, and we're excited about uh, what God is going to do in them in the days ahead. And if you're not part of a life group, Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, God wants you to be connected to others. He wants to put you in an environment where you can thrive. There was a, a pastor trying to make the point about how in important the right kind of environment is and he had four mason jars uh, up on uh, a table in front of him and one mason jar all four mason jars had a worm in the jar one jar also contained uh, a little bit of alcohol a second jar contained a cigarette a third jar uh, contained melted chocolate and then the fourth jar contained dirt. And he pointed out the alcohol jar and, and, and showed the people that uh, the worm sitting in this alcohol, you'll notice that this worm is dead. Uh, not only was the worm dead in the alcohol jar, but the worm was dead in the, in the cigarette jar and the chocolate jar. But in the dirt jar, the worm was thriving. And so the pastor asked, now what's the point of my illustration? And there was a little lady at the back of the church that said, well, pastor, if you drink and you smoke and you eat chocolate, you won't have worms. (laughs) That may be true. I don't know. But that was not the point of the message. The worm thrives in the dirt. And God wants his children to thrive as believers in Christ. And God created the church. And uh, God wants his believers in the church. And it's through the church and particularly smaller groups that he wants his people to be equipped for the work of service. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning, and we're going to look at the the first century church in Acts chapter 2. And uh, many of you are are, um, aware, familiar with this uh, passage of Scripture. We're going to look at verses 41 through 47 this morning. And let me just read those, those verses. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is Peter's sermon. Um, This is the beginning of Pentecost, and um, the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples. And uh, Peter had preached this sermon, uh, proclaiming the the good news of Jesus Christ and what Jesus had come to do. And 3,000 gave their lives to Christ. And then in verse 42, it says, And all these new believers, they devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. These are the original life groups of the early church. God had all these new believers in, in, in Jerusalem. And with all these new believers, how are they going to become equipped? How are they going to become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? The way was through life groups. Yes, they were gathering at the temple, and yes, they were hearing the teachings of the apostles at, 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 the, at the temple, but throughout the week, they were meeting in smaller groups, and in those smaller groups, that's where they learned the things of God, that's where they were able to discuss things uh, that they were hearing that's how they were being formed to be made disciples. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to our walk with God, circles are better than rows. It's in circles that we grow in our relationship with Jesus. That we get to know each other and we're to, able to pray together. And build relationships, encourage each other. That can't take place in rows. We're in rows this morning. And God has a purpose for rows. God wants his word to be proclaimed. He wants us to come together and corporately worship him. But if that is, that, that, if that's the only thing that comprises your walk with the Lord, you're missing out on a huge blessing that God wants to provide in your life discipleship, making disciples took place in the life groups, in the small groups of the early New Testament church. And so I just want to look at the five things that were taking place in those life groups according to the scripture. The first thing that we see about life groups the Bible says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, this was an exciting time in the early church. I mean, the apostles were understanding, seeing things that they had never seen before for the very first time. Yes, they were familiar with the Old Testament. But through the life of Christ and what life, Jesus came to teach them and, and, and the fact that he was God and that he was Messiah and that he uh, was going to, to die on the cross and, and rise from the grave, 
they didn't really comprehend these things about Jesus until after the resurrection. And after the 40 days, when Jesus ascended back to the Father, God gave them the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that God opened their eyes to see what the Old Testament was all about through the life, through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so they were writing things. They were seeing things. They were understanding things that they had never understood before. And so it was really exciting to be dispersing this information to all these new believers. And so they were getting together in in homes and they were talking about, discussing the things that the apostles were learning about God's word and the person of Jesus. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Folks, as a church, Emmanuel Baptist, if you're new here, uh, this, this church is built on the word of God. It's not my opinion. It's not the elder's opinion. It's what the word of God says. And uh, we've made a decision as elders that we want our life groups to be sermon-based from this point forward. And what we mean by sermon-based is when you come together on a Sunday morning and you hear me preach or somebody else preach, um, the content of the life group for that week, beginning on that Sunday night, will be what we have all been exposed to on Sunday morning in this service. All right? Now, when we come together, when you come together in a life group, discussing the topic of that particular Sunday, it's not going to be a rehash of Sunday's message. Now, a bit of an exception here. Today, you... This week, you will be looking at Acts chapter 2. But mostly, you will be looking at parallel passages that are related to the text. But it's in those life groups that we want you to discuss, that we want you to understand, ask questions. But more importantly, apply what you're learning. You know, when it comes to Bible study... The purpose of Bible study isn't information alone. The purpose of Bible study is transformation. God wants to change our hearts. And you know, it's hard to, for God to change, for the truth to change our hearts. If, if we're listening to, uh, three different messages over the course of a week. Some of you come to our Sunday morning Bible studies. And in those Bible study classes right now, you're getting a good uh, Sunday school lesson that's probably in another text of God's Word. And then you're coming to the service and you're getting another message. And then you go to a life group. Uh, you're, you're getting another Bible study. And we're filling our heads with information. Information only leads to pride. God wants to change our hearts. God, God wants us to love. God wants to, us to apply the truth to our hearts and our lives so that through love we might build up one another. 
And so life groups are going to be mainly about life application. How can I apply what I've learned on a Sunday morning? How can I apply it to my life this week? Or what can we do as a, a life group that uh, will that we can transform our group and apply our group to collectively um, in a ministry project uh, this next week? So we see here that the life group centered around the apostles' teaching. So that's the direction we're going with the content of life groups. And again, it's all based on God's word, but primarily life application. And I might say this as well. We need more life group leaders. And in a couple weeks from now... Uh, I'm going to be talking about the fact that you can do this. You know, we don't we don't just leave you out there to dry, leave you on your own on your own. No, we give you the tools that will help you lead a life group discussion to help you be successful. But uh, and so we want to encourage you to pray about becoming a life group leader in the days ahead. But that's the first thing we see about the first century life groups. It was centered around the apostles' teaching. The second thing we see in this passage of Scripture in verse 42 is that there was fellowship taking place amongst themselves. Fellowship. They're not disconnected, but they know somebody else's names. There's a group. People are accountable to each other. And that's the picture of the church. I, I like this wheel. I have a picture of a bicycle wheel that I think is an excellent description, very descriptive of the church. You know, the, the wheel represents the body of Christ. And each spoke is, is another believer, is a believer in Christ. And the hub, that's, that's, that's Jesus Christ. Look at what happens when, when we when we grow closer, when we gra- gravitate closer to the hub, gravitate closer to Jesus, those spokes begin to overlap each other, don't they? And that's what's to happen in a life group. Our lives are to overlap each other. We're to be connected. We're to be close. We need to be encouraging one another supporting one another. And that's the picture of the New Testament church. You know, and sometimes, sometimes that can get a little dicey um, and maybe a bit awkward or, or uncomfortable or time-consuming. But God wants you to, the life group, the people of that life group, to be there for each other. As I was uh, reading uh, one book of a, uh, of, a, of an individual who uh, has spent a lot of time in life groups and writes several books, he was talking about one life group one year where the angels and the giants were in the, in the World Series. I'm not sure what year that was, 2003 or around that time period, and and uh, the series was tied 3-3. Three, three. 
And uh, this guy was, Steve was a huge Angels fan. And uh, the seventh game of the World Series fell on their life group night. And so he had a brilliant idea. He thought, you know, that, well, instead of having a Bible study that night, we'll, they'll just come together and watch Game 7 of the World Series. They'll do a barbecue. And, and uh, you know, he called up some of the other guys in the life group. And they said, hey, that sounds good. And then he got around to mentioning it to his wife. And she thought, I don't think that's a good idea. And he kind of blew her off, and uh, they had the life group that night at their home, and they were sitting around watching the the World Series, and uh, all the couples were sitting together, you know, with each other. And then there was him, him and his wife, and they were walk, they were sitting, you know, as far as part as possible. And she kept giving him cold, icy stares, stares, and so. Uh, so he was feeling a little bit guilty, and so he had this idea. Well, in the bottom of the seventh inning, um, I'll just uh, as they're as they're uh, you know singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," we'll just kind of silence the TV, and we'll go around and, and uh, we'll ask how everybody's marriage is doing. <laughs> So uh, here he asks the first couple, he says, on a scale of one to ten, um, how is your marriage? And she blurts out right away, a two. <laughs> and he says, oh, I'm so sorry about that, and goes on to the husband. And she says, oh, no, really, it's a two, and begins to cry. And he thinks to himself, oh, no. And needless to say, he didn't get to see the end of the World Series because that life group came together and began to minister to this couple. And, uh, you know, he, he says in the book, and I wasn't very happy about it, having missed the game. But that's the purpose of a life group. Because there are going to be people in your small group who are having difficult times or having a hard week. And we need to pause and we need to encourage and pray over those who are hurting. Now, maybe you're here in the service this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, if we're sermon-based and it's it's all about what happens on Sunday morning, um, you know, how are we going to ever meet the needs of the that are that are taking place address some of the issues that are unique to our life group and i just want to say you know that this isn't uh these plans aren't laid in cement it's important that we are flexible and sensitive to the holy spirit and if there's there's something that you need to address in your life group on a particular sunday you have the freedom to address that need but mostly it's, it needs to be centered around what we're doing on a Sunday morning, what we're learning on a Sunday, because we want to all be on the same page, moving forward together. But there's going to be needs, and that's the life of a life group. 
fellowship. And our lives are going to lay on top of each other. And we need to be there for each other because things are better in circles than they are in rows. Those kind of issues can't be addressed in this worship service right now. That's impossible. But in a small group, life group, it can be. Then the third thing we see in life groups is not only was there the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, but there was the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Breaking of bread could be, you know, having shared food with one another, but it also can represent um, having the Lord's Supper, uh, commemorating the Lord's Supper in those life groups. And so when I see breaking of bread... I associate that with worship. There was worship taking place in those small groups. When you come together as a life group, you need to take the time to worship together. Now, some of you, they, you might think, well, pastor, that's, that's really awkward. Well, there's a lot of helps out there today when it comes to worship. Did you know that you can find just about every song that's ever been written on YouTube? And you can play a a YouTube video and worship together and allow allow the, uh, the vocalists to carry the tune of your life group. And even in uh, watching that YouTube video, you can find the lyrics uh, to that song. And uh, you can worship together. Um, if you don't have something that connects to your TV, maybe somebody has uh, an iPad and you can set that up. And most of us have smartphones these days and you can, uh, you can pull up the lyrics on your phone. And, you know, that was something that I learned at our Christmas Eve service. Uh, that, that was a rough Christmas Eve service. If you weren't there for a Christmas Eve service, our projector went down. 10 minutes before the service started. And so we didn't have the words to sing by. And we, you know, we sang six Christmas carols, I think. And you all are really good at singing the first verse of that Christmas carol. But after the first verse, it gets really muddy really quick. You know, I didn't, Allison wasn't thinking on her toes. I wasn't thinking on mine. You know, we should have just pulled out the hymn book and say, turn to, Hymn number so-and-so, and you guys would have had the words. But you know what? Y'all have smartphones, too. You could have brought up your phones, and you could have found the lyrics to every one of those songs that we were singing. So I'm remembering next time. But God wants us to worship. And life groups is an opportunity. for Worship is so important. God wants us to exalt him, to praise him for who he is. There was a... Um, there was a grandmother who was bringing her grandson to church. And um, and she made a deal with her grandson. She sang in the choir. And uh, it really bothered her uh, as she was sitting back there in the choir as the pastor was preaching. This was, you know, several years ago when people like this did that. And uh, And she was watching her husband sleep during the sermon. 
And she was really bothered by that. And so she made a deal with her grandson. She said, you know, if you will keep grandpa awake, I will give you 50 cents uh, every Sunday. And uh, you know what? Grandpa stayed awake. And it was working. But then it came time to Easter Sunday. And uh, as she was sitting in the, the choir, and there was it, the church was packed, there was Grandpa, and he was just, he was, you know, head was back, and he began to snore really loudly, and her grandson was sitting right next to him, and he wasn't doing anything. And she was so embarrassed, and after the service, she asked him, how come you didn't keep grandson, but Grandpa awake, uh, grandson? And, and he said, well, Grandpa, Grandpa made a better deal. He said, if I'll let him sleep, I'll, he'll give me a dollar. <laughs> oh. God wants us to worship him. Worship isn't supposed to be dull or boring or irrelevant. No, worship is to be alive and vibrant. And when we're meeting with with him daily in our quiet time, guess what? We just bring that energy, that spirit to a worship service and we are able to exalt him publicly. But worship took place in this life group. Also, we see prayer as being an important part of life's group. The, the believers, the new believers, they were learning to pray with each other. Are you taking the time to pray in your life group? Pray for each other. Pray for the needs uh, of the church and our community and world. We are setting aside our monthly prayer meetings as church right now. And we are going to emphasize that prayer time in our life groups. All your life group leaders are receiving the discussion guide uh, the Thursday before the Sunday sermon. That discussion guide has uh, many of the questions that that life group will will um, facilitate, ask in those uh, discussion groups. But then there's also a prayer section. And in the prayer section, uh, as elders, uh, there are things that we want your life group to be praying specifically about. And so that prayer time needs to be um, an overlap of what's happening in other people's lives in your life group. But then also praying about what we want to see God do in the life of our church. But we see prayer and then the last element that we see in this uh, in this first century life group life groups is ministry in verses forty five and forty six forty five says and they were selling their possessions and belonging belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord continued to add to their numbers. It's in the life group that God's people are cared for, that God's people are a shepherd and are accountable to others. Ministry was occurring. People had needs and those needs were being met among God's people in the life group and, and probably beyond, beyond what that life group was capable of, to, of addressing. But needs were being met. One of the purposes of your life group is to live out the truths that you're learning, you're gleaning on Sunday morning. One a great opportunity that life groups have, has, and they're doing really well at is um, providing, helping provide for the meal ministry on Monday nights. And it's cool to see how enthusiastic people are when it comes to their night on the rotation schedule and serving the people who are coming. That's serving an important ministry. That's, that's an outreach uh, into our community. We have a clothing closet, which I understand is stuffed full of clothes right now. And you have been very generous in bringing things down to the clothing. And not just uh, old and used things, but you're bringing new things down to give uh, to the people who have needs. I was talking to Cindy White this last week, and she told me that they they need additional volunteers in that clothing closet. Uh, they primarily have three people working that clothing closet, and uh, they are overtaxed. And if you have time during the week and could come down and volunteer some hours, please see Cindy because she could really use your help. And, and we want to be able to provide this clothing closet to members of our church as well. You know, it, it's not just for those who come on Monday night. And if you have a need, please see Cindy and uh, she can help uh, set up a time for you to come down and uh, be able to access that, that clothing closet. And if you don't know Cindy, Cindy, would you stand up please? So they, but everybody knows Cindy, but just in case somebody doesn't, would you show your appreciation to Cindy? ministry. I heard the illustration of um, of trees and how trees um, underneath the surface, surface are how God has designed uh, for trees to thrive and depend on each, each other's root system. Apparently um, uh, the roots, when roots overlap underneath the surface, God has created this fungus in the soil. And this fungus helps trees um, share the resources that some trees don't have access to. There may be trees that have, have more access to light, to the sunlight, than others. There may be trees that have more nutrients or more, there's no more nutrients in the, in the soil than others may have. Um, access to water. 
uh, some trees may have that other trees don't. But trees are able to share from each other's root systems and the things that others have and they lack can help them to thrive. Uh, thrive in places like uh, dense forested areas. That's a picture of the church. That's what God intends to happen in the local church, in the life group. And these are the things that we want to see God do in the days ahead. The purpose of of life groups is to make disciples. And the best vehicle, the best tool in making disciples is getting connected to a life group. Are you in a life group? We want to encourage you to find a life group. We need additional life group leaders. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and and you just have you're just one step further down the road than somebody else, you have the ability to be a life group leader. And we want to help you do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the church. God, you had, even before the foundation of the world, in your mind, in your plan, you already had the church planned out. And the church is Jesus' body. Jesus, even though you had to ascend and go back to your Father, You didn't leave us alone. You gave us your Holy Spirit. And you gave us your church. God, help our life groups to be what your word want want us to be. We're far from perfect, and God, we make mistakes, and you are a God of second chances, and you don't ever want us to give up. And so, God, we continue to obey, to trust, to trust that, God, through your Spirit, that you'll give us the ability to accomplish what you want us to do. Thank you, Father. Encourage life groups here this morning. Encourage the leaders. God, they may feel very unqualified and very unworthy. And and God, they may have been listening to an enemy recently just accuse and condemn And try to destroy. May they know. That there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ. 
encourage their hearts. Thank you, Father, for the ministry they provide. God, I pray that you would help us to have listening ears in those life groups. That, God, our lives would truly overlap each other and that we would minister and love and pray and serve you together. That, Jesus, you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me, please?